Thank you for listening to another episode of Ew, That's Creepy podcast. Jackie and I just couldn't get enough drama, so we are back with one last case of someone faking their own death. Jackie is going to tell Melissa about another couple who unsuccessfully tried to carry out this insurance scheme. Let's get creepy! Hello, Hellcats. Welcome back to another episode of Even That's Creepy Podcast. Jackie and I have literally been addicted to drama lately. We need it to survive. We need it to be satiated. (laughs) Every form of drama, I've just needed it. Like, I guess it's because when you're at this age, when you're an adult, luckily I don't have any drama. So I just have been craving true crime drama TV drama. I've been wanting to watch Vampire Diaries again. I think the thing about drama that I like to spice up my sort of vanilla life is that it leaves me thinking about something that's not just... Like, I like that it's different than a TV show because you're thinking about something real. You're not thinking about a, you know, scenario on TV that's never going to happen. It's like, that's a real world scenario. I totally agree. I Because especially if it's someone living a double life or making this crazy life choice, I'm My always, favorite. <laughs> always thinking into their psychology. Like, literally, what are you thinking right now as you are on the plane to fake your own death or as you're meeting your side hoe when your wife has dinner on the table? Like, oh, I, could, I totally agree. I could think about that for days. I agree. So let's just jump into it with this quick little story that is drama. It's going to be a short one, but honestly, Jackie and I both did research last week because we were both just really feeling this theme of people who fake their own death. So even though it's fake, I was like, Jackie, still tell it. We want, we love a good little story. Yeah, just a little quick thing to get your day going or to end your day on some drama. (laughs) (laughs) So let's jump right into it. In October 2011, this story began in Moldova, which is a landlocked country in Eastern Europe. It's bordered by Romania and Ukraine. So in October 2011, authorities received a call that there was a dead body on the side of a road near a small village. When police went to respond to this call... And I will say, I did see one article where it said, I saw multiple articles that said the police were called, but then there was a different article that said that a policeman was off duty and just stumbled upon the body. Seems more likely that the police were called, but... Okay. Either way, the police have responded. (laughs) There is a body, yes. When they saw the body, it was laid in the bushes. It was clearly deceased because decomposition had already started. But there weren't signs of how the person had actually been killed. There wasn't bullet holes. There wasn't stab wounds. There wasn't sort of any visible injuries on the body that would have led police to come up with a way that this person had died. There were also documents on the dead body 
It had a passport, hotel cards, some phone numbers, and police identified the body as Igor Vorotiv. Oh my god, <laughs> Igor Vorotivo. I'm butchering that. Clearly, you guys can tell, but I'll link all the articles if you want to read it. I think you did a good job. First name, Igor. (laughs) So, I'm assuming the passport probably said his name. And clearly, they believed it was Igor. Came, and they transported the body to the morgue. Police officers and investigators did not take any pictures of the body uh in america i know everyone's like what but the morgue did not have i don't know if it didn't have a camera or they just taking pictures wasn't like the norm in moldova but regardless they didn't take any pictures of the dead body darn Since they couldn't really determine how the person had died, they concluded that Igor had died of a heart attack on October 1st, 2011. Basically, they had no other, like, explanation for how this person died, so they saw, you know, an older gentleman and just assumed a heart attack. That makes sense. I just wonder why he was, like, sprawled out in the bushes. Yeah, I mean, that makes no sense. And another thing is... It's not exactly clear where Igor's citizenship is because he, at some point, I don't know if it's, you know, right before this, he lived in America and him and his wife did live in Minnesota. So I'm not sure if he was just traveling there, if he lives there. There's not a whole lot of info on that, but regardless. So his wife, her name was Irina. They actually were either divorced or in the process of divorce, but, you know, they call her and she traveled to Moldova and she did identify the body as her husband and she was accompanied by a U.S. representative. So I'm assuming he probably was a U.S. citizen. Irina had the body cremated and she returned to Minnesota And she had a death certificate from Moldova. What is up? This must be the scam. People doing it, the death in another country, and you come back with just this little certificate. Like, oh, I don't know. But there was a dead body. Like, which is kind of crazy. A full-on dead body, you know? It's not like... Did they have anyone actually identify the body as being his? Or did they just assume because of what was in his pockets? They assumed and his wife did. Mm, Okay. So, Igor had obtained a $2 million life insurance policy on his life in March of 2010. And he had designated Irina as the primary beneficiary. And they had also divorced later on in 2010. Hmm. So when Irina came back, she filed a claim with the insurance company the next month. And after the insurance company did its own investigation, Mutual of Omaha is the insurance company, they mailed Irina a check for $2 million. A check. (laughs) The way 
Jackie said that reminded me so much of an Austin Powers when he comes back in the future and he's like, <laughs> I want one million dollars. They're like, that ain't shit. <laughs> yeah. It's just insane to me. Could you, I mean, I don't know what other way insurance would work other than receiving it all in a check, but it's just insane thinking getting a two million dollar check. There was a story I heard, I won't tell you my sources, about someone who was issued a million dollar check and they refused to cash it because they just loved showing everyone their million dollar check. And it got to the point where the bank had to stop and reissue it so many times that they took a charge out and then it wasn't worth a million dollars anymore. Good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sorry. Make a photocopy of it. Like, if you want to show it off. And that's also, I would be scared to mess it up. I mean, I know you could probably get it again, but... I would be scared ever since I saw that episode of Snapped where that guy who won the lottery gave out all of his money and a woman was going to help him with it and she killed him for the money. That story still makes me sad. That one really makes me... That one messes with me, but... I know. Regardless. Anyway, back to the story at hand. Yeah. So, Irina gets the $2 million check... On March 23rd, 2012, so like six-ish months after he has passed away. And this is kind of just where it gets shady. Irina had a third party open a bank account at a local branch of U.S. Bank, and she deposited the insurance check into that account. The third party then transferred $1.5 million to another U.S. bank account in the name of Irina's son, Okan. Between March 29, 2012 and January 2015, more than $1.5 million of the life insurance proceeds were transferred to accounts located in Switzerland and Moldova. And it was between Irina and her son were both, like, transferring the money. It's a lot of money movement in a short amount of time. Yep. And at some point here, the FBI received a little tip that he was never dead. <gasps> dun dun. A tip. They received a tip. Clearly, the FBI is not super detailed in where they received their tips. It just said they received a tip that Igor was alive. They received a tip that he was using a different name, the name Nikolai Patoka, and lived in a small Russian-controlled region of Moldova from 2012 till present. (laughs) What? Who was the body then? Now I see why she was doing all that money movement to Russia. Or not to Russia, but to Moldova. Yeah, she was trying to move around the money real quick. Yeah, and probably set up some fake account where he would be able to cash out some of his own profits in his life insurance. Oh my god. So the FBI receives that tip, I believe, in 2012 or in 2013. Because on November 27th, 2013... Alcon, the son, was stopped by Customs and Border Prote- Protection in Detroit, Michigan, after he was returning from a trip to Moldova. 
The Customs and Border Protection, they confiscated a computer that was in Alcon's possession, and it had pictures of him and Igor that were taken <laughs> after Igor's death. Oh my god. It showed that Igor was alive and well, and it showed him with various family members. Why do people need to take photographs after they do these scams? I don't understand. Okay, if you want to live your life and you want to see your family, that I expect. Why do you need to take the photo? Why would you ever do that? You cleared the investigation. You got the money. Nobody is on to you. And even if the FBI was on to them, if they wouldn't have seized this computer, all they would have had was word of mouth. Yeah. And it's not like they're going to go to Moldova and look for him. So... That's, once again, like, my episode when they were inspired by um, that couple, the Darwins from the UK. The Darwins got caught, again, because they took a photo in Panama, and it goes back to the FBI. Yeah, and I mean, even if you trust your family members, people get hacked every day now. Every day. I mean, for normal people, that's scary enough. But if you're hiding your full-on existence... You should not take pictures, and especially not with family members. Right? Well, I guess I'm glad that these people do, because then they I get know. found. So, Alcon, you know, is picked up by the feds at that point. He calls his dad and puts him on the phone with the feds. <laughs> Igor created this whole scenario that he had been kidnapped and that he had been held for ransom and... That's why he was supposedly dead. Clearly, they did not believe him. And the feds basically believed that he came up with that story to try to make Irina and his son seem innocent and make it seem like they didn't have anything to do with it. How could someone hold you for ransom if the whole world thought you were dead? That makes no sense. For the life insurance policy, like, I guess that's what he was saying, that someone faked his death for the life insurance policy, but okay. And the money is still being wired to you in Moldova. Yeah. But so the crazy thing is that authorities charged Irina and Alcon in January, 2015. However, prosecutors spoke to Igor in May, 2016, and were trying to persuade him to return to the U S because They can't, like, go and get them. Oh, my gosh. At that point in 2016, he told investigators that he would rather live his new life with his love interest on an apple farm. And his wife and son are in jail. Yeah. And so Irina ended up pleading guilty to mail fraud and engaging in a monetary transaction in criminally derived property. She was sentenced to 37 months in federal prison. Oh. Alcon pleaded guilty to misproper, or he pleaded guilty to something, and he was sentenced to three years of probation. So he didn't get as much, but either way, those are both federal charges, so. It's so, I do feel bad for them because it is sad that they went along with this scheme. But at the same time, we don't know. She could have, Irina could have thought of the whole thing up. But it's crazy. He's just literally living on his apple farm while his wife, ex-wife, and child are 
in jail slash on probation. Yep. And lawyers for Irina and Alcon did, you know, try to do their best and argue that Irina is battling breast cancer and is in ill health, and so she should not be in prison for as long. They argued with Alcon that because of the financial situation this put him in, that he had allegedly tried to commit suicide on multiple occasions, but still, they did not get out of jail early. I'm assuming at this point, they're both done with their sentences since that was in 2015. In November 2018, police in Moldova did arrest Igor, and he was extradited to the U.S. He pleaded guilty after that, which, why would you not move out of Moldova after that? He thought that he could just live on his apple farm and be content. Why did they not arrest him prior to that? They just couldn't find him? I'm not sure, yeah. I'm not exactly sure Mm. what the disconnect was with why Moldova didn't arrest him for three years, but the family had also been ordered to pay back the money in restitution. So articles I read said that Igor had arranged for a stand-in corpse to be dressed in his clothes and planted with his identification before placing the body alongside the road where it would be identified. The identity of the corpse is still unclear. And they also had a funeral service at a Minneapolis cemetery where an urn was placed, like, for Igor with the ashes. So they still don't know who that is. But they did clearly test the remains, and they were not Igor's. They should have told Igor, you can get a lighter sentence if you tell us who the body is. Like, where did you get it? How is it so easy to just have, like, a what corpse fill in as he said it? I know. I mean, I I hate to say it, but money makes the world go round. Like, if this guy had a $2 million life insurance policy, he clearly had money to begin with. So maybe he said, if this works, you'll get part of the kickback. It's just crazy that no one else came forward because you can, you have to know he could only pay for so long. I mean, he did get the money, but at the same time, he still went to prison. So I just wonder, it is crazy that someone else definitely knows something and they're just not coming forward. You just don't care. And how did you find a body that had no marks on it that they would just assume it was a heart attack? And it's not even like they're grave digging or anything like that because it was within a couple of days that the person had been deceased. And the person must have looked enough like Igor where, like, the U.S. Embassy official went with his wife to identify the body. So it must have looked enough like him that it passed. Wow. That's definitely the craziest part of this whole episode. It's crazy what he did, but how can we not know who that was? Right? And how he got the body. I wonder if anyone has looked into missing persons in the area and anything like that. That'd be crazy. He could have killed the person for all anyone knows. I I mean, that's just, I'm assuming he told people I arranged for this body to be planted with all my stuff. It's just crazy. The only thing I could think of was that he was, like, somehow in contact with a morgue who could give him a body of someone who had a heart attack or something like that. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, wouldn't a morgue had to have identified it? Wouldn't someone had to have, like, called? Yeah. 
It just seems so much like it would have to be orchestrated for so long. Like, you'd have to pick someone who looked like him, who died of probably a heart attack, who didn't have family, who would, like, care. It's right. just so much unknown. Wow. I wish I had more information on that, because that's seriously crazy. I thought for sure you were going to say his old friend from blah, 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 who he killed or something. Nope. They just don't know. Damn. I hope they get answers on that at some point. I know. Me too. I really wonder. This is horrible, but can you put ashes from an urn, like, through 23andMe? Like, can you still get, like, DNA evidence when someone is cremated? I feel like you would have to because they tested it at least and saw it wasn't Igor's. But that's kind of creepy to me in a little way, knowing that there was an urn sitting in the cemetery for so long with ashes that no one knows who it is yeah i mean at least the ashes are at a cemetery like it is a proper burial but it's not when you don't know who it is right that person deserves respect in their own burial so it is very sad for this person that no one knows what their fate was really yeah it's so strange damn that was a good story Yep, just a little sip of tea. (laughs) A small cup. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, an espresso-sized cup. We should do, let us know if you guys want us at some point to do cases where there was a Jane Doe or John Doe who was never identified. Because now that you're talking about that, like, I could go down a rabbit hole with that for sure. Yeah, same. I go down rabbit holes like that all the time. Yeah. Well, uh, that was a really good episode. Thank you, Jackie. No problem. Let us know what you guys thought of this episode and let us know if you know similar cases where there was someone who was never identified or anything like that. That is seriously crazy. And let us know if there are any other themes or cases you want us to cover. Yes, we would love to hear some suggestions. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of That's Creepy Podcast. Bye. Bye. Want to creep on us? Follow us on social media at ew, that's creepy podcast, or send us an email at ew, that's creepy podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, creepy cats.